So Adam Tyler, welcome to the third edition of the Roma Pod. Um, it's a pleasure to have you here uh, talking with us today. Um, I know that you are exceedingly busy with everything that's going on with FIBA uh, and the SBG group. Um, but if you wouldn't mind, just describe the current landscape at FIBA with regard to the COVID situation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thanks for the um, thanks for the welcome, Scott. Yeah, really, really pleased to be here. And yes, it has been an extremely busy time. As you know, I mean, I've got these three roles, so I've actually got this perspective of, across FIBA and obviously our members. I'm a, I'm a broker of myself, so I can actually really, really feel what the customer's going through and by talking to all the, the lenders with my broker hat on. And of course, I still do a lot of the Westminster stuff. So um, last Wednesday, I was on a call with different MPs and we were talking about the, the government loan scheme. So my head is full of this from three different perspectives, and which makes it quite interesting to, to bring everybody's views together. But if you look at um, the landscape, and you look at it from a FIBA's perspective, I mean, what we had a huge number of lenders withdraw from the market, still a number of them still out. Valuers weren't able to, to go and visit properties. And we've obviously changed that round so that we can do virtual valuations now. Solicitors began to work from home, and I don't think any of us thought that a solicitor could work from home, but they've proved us wrong. Um, so a number of brokers actually closed and furloughed their staff. Um, we had customers postponing their, their purchases. Um, ongoing work on all sites stopped, whether it was new or, or refurb. And then the government stepped in with all these loans. So th that was a landscape that we created very, very quickly back in, in March. And slowly, um, as I've alluded to in, the, in that opening piece, that some of it has changed. And we are starting to see the easing. But one of the main things I think that I'm seeing particular broker hat on is that there's not as many lenders out there actually lending as, as people perceive. I think that um, there's still a way to go before we get back to, to where we really are in the market. Some of the brokers are actually reporting their 40% of capacity. Some are saying 50. I hear from some lawyers that they're back to 60, 70%. Um, and I had somebody today telling me that there's only 20% of the lenders in the market. So, so if you're asking me to describe the current landscape, I probably haven't done that very well, but I've just given you a myriad of, of different answers that perhaps as we go through the conversation, we can expand on. Yeah, in terms of the work that you're doing with, in Westminster, I guess you would be relaying to them some of the experiences that you are going through both for FIBA and as a broker. What's their reaction uh, in Westminster to um, what the specialist lending market is experiencing at the moment? Are they supportive? Are they not supportive? Do they have bigger fish to fry? And um, what's the, the, the feedback generally from Westminster, Adam, at the moment? Um, the focus has been obviously completely on um, bounce back and C bills, among other things, to really help. Um, the focus has been on training businesses to begin with, to make sure those businesses are there after all this has finished. And it's been really interesting to see those numbers. And I'll just give you a very, very brief recap. I won't bore you with all the numbers, but under C bills, there's nine and a half billion gone out. Um, and that's 47,000 loans, 50% um, approval rate, bounce back. They actually had 964,000 applications. That's the one we've got a 50 grand maximum. Um, 24 billion has gone out to 782,000 businesses there. And then you've had various other schemes. Uh, when people don't know about the small branch schemes from the council. But in total, in three months, the government have lent 65 billion to businesses. Now, not a lot of that actually is in the specialist property finance market. A lot of that has been straight out to um, small trading businesses that needed that money for, for cash flow purposes. But what I'm now seeing is 
is particularly the um, Siebel's loan actually being used for commercial mortgages and in some instances for development finance as well. So the answer to your question, what the Westminster saying, priority was trading small businesses first and foremost. Now we're starting to look at a, a wider use of those schemes. That's very interesting, actually. Um, and I have heard of um, developers using the Siebel's loan and the fastback uh, loans for de doing developments. And actually, one, of, one thing that's become very common from my experience with developers is that they seek external third-party investors to help them with some of the equity that's required to put into deals. And because the investors typically are, need, are wanting a return of 7, 8, 9, 10%, um, and the rate of interest on the Siebel's loan is something like 2.5%. A lot of developer uh, customers of ours, they've been getting the Siebel's loans and using those either to repay their investors because it's cheaper debt, having a Siebel's loan, or using that almost like as a, as a hunter's license to go and uh, seek out new uh, buying opportunities and extend um, what they're doing and look to develop more sites and, and um, increase the amount of work that they're, they're doing. So... And further, as a result of that, possibly because people are doing more, possibly because of the lockdown in the UK, possibly because the um, people have been uh, worried and, and goods haven't been coming in, there's huge amounts of material shortages on building sites at the moment. I know I, for one, I'm doing something at the moment, and, and some of the stuff I just simply cannot get. One of our, um, someone we know is also doing another refurb, they can't get plasterboards. Um, yeah, 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 I've heard that. Plaster, plaster in particular in the middle of April, there just wasn't any plaster at all in the UK. Um, simply because obviously the factories were, were closed and weren't, weren't producing it. But, the, but there's, the, plenty of, um, there's, there's plenty of hand sanitizer though now. So. Well, yeah, hand sanitizer. <laughs> actually quite there's no um, But the um, bounce back loan, <sighs> I mean, 50 grand towards a development site. Yes, it has helped. I mean, I've heard anecdotally, and got no proof, that we've had groups of people joining together with their bounce-back loans to actually start development sites um, by using that, you know, sort of a club with all the funds coming together. Seabills um, itself, now, uh, it, i put my broker hat on now for a moment. Now, I was asked recently, only this week, for uh, an application I was doing for a development site, uh, two questions. One, the proof of where the funds have come from. Was it pure cash? Um, I have had to prove that, you know, because they were looking, the lender was saying, well, are they using government funding from another business to actually start this development off, which well, obviously is not something they would really, really want to, to, to see. But at the same Sorry, time... Can I, Adam, can I just ask you, what's the rationale behind the lender not wanting the developer to use the government's money to get the uh, site started? Why would a lender see that as being a bad thing, do you think? Because they were looking for make sure that the cash contribution was there from the lender. That's what they wanted to see. And I think anecdotally they'd heard some of these rumours and wanted to be, be to be pure cash. They wanted that's what they wanted it to be. Now, having said all that, they then asked me the question about do you think this is applicable for Seabills? Can you give me the background of why this developer is now coming looking for funding from us? Now, with that particular developer, they had funding from a lender. Due to complete end of March, the lender pulled the funds mid-March, left them high and dry. They renegotiated completion date with the vendor, had to come back into the market. So you could actually say, yeah, they've been affected by COVID-19. So therefore, rightly, they should be a providing for government support. It's very interesting. It's, it's, it's very interesting because we've been presented with similar scenarios where our customers have 
been successful in obtaining CBILS loans or bounce back loans. And they've asked us whether, whether they can use that towards the schemes that we are um, helping them to, to build out. And I don't see any reason why we wouldn't allow them to do that because both of them attract, they're interest free for 12 months. They're um, over six years in total. The interest rate is very low and therefore there is a, um, a much smaller liability for the customer of using that than some third party um, investors cash that they've taken from somewhere from a third party that they're going to have to pay back at some point in the future. And if they don't, they could be in breach with penalties, et cetera, et cetera. So from, from my side of things, I don't think I, I wouldn't see why that would be a bad thing if a customer was using a bounce back loan for a development site, particularly because, you know, in many cases, the customer will be in and out within 12 to 18 months anyway. Well, that, that, um, that's another good point. <clears throat> in that scenario, the government's going to get the money back within 12 to 18 months. Now, if you're lending it to a small business that's struggling, that it's going to take the full six years and then struggle to actually pay the £50,000 back at the end of the term, you would have thought, well, you're better off with a developer than you would be with a struggling small business. So there is, there is a counter-argument both ways. And I think really this has come about because we've had, we've had a couple of weeks now of a lot of discussion around businesses taking bounce-back loans, shoving the bank account or taking bounce-back loans and using them to pay off more expensive loans. So there's been a bit of a focus on it. Um, in terms of development lenders exiting the market, do you think that's a trend that's likely to continue? Um, and if so, what other trends do you think we're likely to see over the next um, two, three, four, five months? Um, well, let's, let's, start, let's start off on a, um, a sort of positive note from the broker perspective. I think one of the trends we've seen is more engagement with the broker community in a virtual sense, um, where they're quite happy to, to become involved in webinars, uh, viewing things online, um, having remote conversations. Some of the technology that we're using now, we can actually go and meet a lender virtually in a, in a room and have a discussion and then go into a conference or into a breakout session. I think that's one of the positive trends we've seen. The communication that you should have as a lender with a broker community has been, been enhanced you know, tremendously by all of this. But if you, if you then start to look at the other parts of the market, um, the government schemes have just taken out the small loan lenders by the knees, really, with all these schemes that are there. 964 applications, 1,000 applications. 782,000 applications approved for a small loan that's not going into the usual loan market. So there's been difficulties there. But if you come back to the specialist property finance market, development finance at the moment is difficult to find. Um, you, need, you need to have a very, very good site and do a lot of, lot of work to find the right lender to place that development deal. So I can only see that improving as, as time goes on. If you're a lender and you're lending at the moment, you should be able to build a fantastic book of business because there's a lot of good business out there for you to pick and choose from. So if you're looking at it from a lender's perspective, now is a good time to be coming back in to be lending again. You know, it's very interesting. I, I agree with you. From our point of view, uh, this month so far, and appreciate we're only halfway through the month um, at this point, but we are already at our best well, almost our best ever month for um, new cases. And, and I, I can understand that completely. Um, not only because there are much less lenders in the market, 
but secondly because there is an enhanced increase in business requirements from a number of different developers and for me who, who brokes a little bit of business um, because I don't have time to do huge amounts I've got more inquiries on my desk at the moment than I can probably deal with and um, I can deal with them but there's a lot of them there and the good ones I mean you're looking at you know sub 50% loan to values on on warehouses I've got um, 40% um, gross development value development deal in Scotland things that you think well I wouldn't necessarily have seen that but I am now seeing seeing uh, much better quality deals perhaps because they've got the usual homes to go to who knows but yeah I agree there's a lot of good business out there yeah and, and what questions from a FIBA point of view what questions and issues have the members FIBA, broker members within FIBA been um, been raising to you recently um initially it was obviously the cost so so what we did at the outset is we made sure that we gave um the members the option for taking a payment holiday we make sure we gave them um, lots of different forms of, of support and that included they wanted to know what else could they do so we offered them the opportunity to to have their training in various other products um, it was really the inquiries that we're seeing now are where can we place this business which lenders are lending um, who is out there who is really lending they're the main questions and what we also did we also provided some, some sort of mental well-being support because brokers, as you know, in the main are um, individuals that are working from home. A lot of their, their time when they do actually meet somebody's meeting clients or meeting lenders. And of course, that's all stopped. So for a, for a broker, their world has changed where they're obviously sitting at home all day long now rather than being out and about and interacting with people as we're all used to. So, so we thought, you know, the questions may come up about how can I work at home? What do I, how do I need to embrace this new technology? And can I do that? So that are some of the questions we've been having, technology, lenders, and in some cases mental you know, well-being as well, and providing some sort of physical support so they've got somebody to talk to. Sounds strange, but it's true. I'm sure that's absolutely true. And you know, if I think about um, the people that work, uh, that work for Roma, we've all been working from home as well. And for some people, you know, some people... Uh, myself, we've got offices at home. We've got space where we can work in. But other other members of our team, you know, they are in um, small flats. They're in town centres. They live on their own. Um, they're having to work on the kitchen table. It's not an ideal working environment. And so we've had to provide support to our staff as well. Um, and right now, we're working on plans to come back into the office so that those people that need um, to, uh, you know, need the interaction with people for their own mental health and well-being. We'll be able to get back them back into the office soon as well. And I'm sure that a lot of businesses are looking at things to to find ways in which they can safely uh, get people back into the office. Um, albeit that working from an office is going to be a little bit more tricky for the, for the for the foreseeable future. I think so, and and obviously the travel in and out of the office as well. How's that going going to work, and and how can people move about? So I think there's still a lot of lessons that we've got got to learn. But the one thing for me that I can take away from all of this is how people adapted so so quickly to to the changes that were needed to keep the whole industry going and i'm i'm sure all industries can say that whatever industry is can say we've adapted very very well and we've obviously we've obviously had to and and you and for for me to sit here and, for, and to hear you say we're seeing record numbers of, of business coming into us at rome i think it's fantastic i mean that just proves um the strength of the industry and the people involved in it yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that those lenders that do survive um, will absolutely thrive um, from what comes out of this because it's going to be very much um, 
an opportunity to back good quality people who can take advantage of better buying opportunities at low rates of interest where there's plenty of upside in the deals that they're doing. Um, so I think that uh, for me, I suppose that the lesson that the big takeaway for me has been that cash is king. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you totally. I mean, and, you know, and the lender market is active in all sorts of different levels. And, and you know, we have some which are very, very active. And it's good to hear you are. And there are others in a similar position to yourself. There's some that will only deal with their existing customers, which is which is fine. Some will, will work with a small panel of brokers because they've got less staff and, and so they can actually only handle small numbers. We've got a lot of lenders which are still closed and quite happy to say that are still closed. And others that are currently in this state of flux where things are under review and are stockpiling applications. Mm. Um, applications are coming in which they're actually stockpiling for, for when they open again. Um, and you could say as a, as a lender, well, why, why shouldn't I see those? Because I'm open and, and ready. Um, probably the answer is you've got enough to see as it is. Yeah, do you, um, what advice would you give to FIBA members for the future? And where would you see that a, a, broker's, a broker should focus their attention uh, going forwards? Um, for me, I think the, one of the important things is, is, I've already mentioned development finance. I think, you know, the, the whole housing crisis that UK suffers isn't going to go away. That's still going to be there. I know there's a lot of sites that are sitting waiting for funding or waiting for materials that we've already mentioned or, or personnel to get back on site. So I think development finance, which is probably a more of a specialist part of what we do, I know. Um, but that's going to be a good growth area uh, as and when we leave this. I think one of the other things that we also need to do is make sure we're very aware of fees. One of the things I didn't like in all of this, and I wrote quite strongly about it, was that the Treasury, the ATM Treasury, actually had to comment on brokers taking fees for the government schemes um, because that, that had hit the market. Not all of them were, were brokers or members of FIBA or, or members of anything else far from it. These were other people coming into our industry who were trying to benefit from um, the crisis that small businesses were facing. So I wasn't keen on the Treasury actually having to make that comment because it, it meant we'd gone up in their consciousness. And if we go up in the Treasury's consciousness, we go up in the FCA's um, consciousness as well. So I think we need to make sure we're playing fair on, on fees, both as brokers and lenders. I think that's some advice for the future. But certainly, especially as property finance, whether we're going to be a sharp in, sharp out recession, I'm not sure. I think it'd be a little bit longer than we actually expect. From the point of view of um, brokers, charging fees when they shouldn't be charging fees on the um on the Seabills loans and it obviously coming to the attention of treasury do you think we're likely to see any regulatory changes to the unregulated market going forwards adam no i don't because i think it's an industry we jumped on it quite quickly um i had conversations with different people in the um uh whether high street banks and, and other lenders and we got got onto it very quickly and made sure that it didn't it didn't escalate out of, out of control like it did in 0809 when we were struggling for uh, for finance or funding for businesses then and there was a lot of lot of, of that going on so i don't think that will affect regulation but i think regulations always around the corner for us anyway it's never it's not far distance on the horizon it, we've had regulation creep for years so i think you will still see regulatory changes as, as time goes on yeah no i don't i don't, dis I don't disagree with that and i think that to wipe out some of the bad practices that there are within the industry and some of the bad lenders that there are within the industry 
hopefully, with a bit of luck, those lenders that have been doing bad lending, um, their chickens will come home to roost uh, in the current climate. Um, but I think that there will always be some that um, slip through the net. And I think that uh, if regulation came through that meant that, that those kind of practices were, were stamped out, I think that would be a good thing. And everybody would benefit. The good lenders would benefit. Brokers would benefit. Customers would benefit. Um, the market would be, would be cleaned up. So, no, I'm, I'm fully supportive of that, uh, Adam. Um, so you've got FIBA. You've got Simply Biz. You've got the sister work. You're a broker. Um, what do you do in your spare time? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what's, what is fantastic. Is the football's back tonight. Uh, who do you support? I'm, I'm a Man City fan, so we're on tonight at quarter past eight. Okay. And do you think um, any chance of catching Liverpool? Or is, is, is no, it? no, that, that's all over. That's all over now. I mean, the interesting thing for me, actually, is they've also announced today um, that where the Champions League and the Europa League are going to finish up. And... Um, they're going, to play, they're going to play the quarter semis and the finals in, all in Lisbon um, for the Champions League. And of course, Man City are 2-1 up with a home leg to play against Real Madrid. Wow. So are they going to force the, the footballers to quarantine for two weeks either side? Or well, I shouldn't. <laughs> I think the whole, the whole quarantine thing anyway, we, we could talk about that for another half an hour. The, that quarantine thing, I think, will disappear anyway over the next couple of weeks. It has to. Otherwise, we'll have a, you know, not only have we got... Um, the leisure industry on its knees at the moment. We obviously got the, the travel industry in real, real trouble as well. So you, you've yeah. got to have some relaxing of the rules in line with obviously the right advice. But yeah, I think we do need to, to see some, some laxity, you know, slackness in the rules around travel and, and football. You know, I think they'll get there. They'll be able to travel. Probably. So, so let's imagine now, Adam, that you were the prime minister. Okay. So prime minister, Tyler, um, <laughs> What would you what would you have done differently in hindsight? Number one, we should have locked down a lot earlier. Probably you know, a week or so earlier. Um, I came back from Spain on March the fifth, I flew back from Spain. And March the seventh, we had a big family party. My son and his wife had been in Portugal. They came round and we had a big, big party for you know one of the the small ones' birthdays. And everybody was together and after that, we all went our separate ways. In fact, my oldest son, he was, he's a broker development manager for a lender. He was hosting a group at Cheltenham that week. Mm -hmm. Another thing that should possibly not have gone ahead, same as, same as some of the football matches. So it's probably the big thing would have been the lockdown early, I think, that, and that would have made some difference. Yeah, I don't disagree. I, I think that there's an argument to say that had the government have done the lockdown sooner, had they have protected the vulnerable, those with medical conditions, and those over 70, but perhaps let the rest of the working population carry on working because the risk to them is fairly low, um, then we might not have been in the sort of the straits that we're in now. No, I agree. And if you actually go and if you actually go into some of the shops and you go into the likes of B and Q and places like that, you'll notice the staff are a lot younger than they were previously. Um, some, of the right. some of the older staff just aren't in the shops. It's the, it was the younger ones. I know it's changing, and obviously, I mean, I haven't been in. The, I haven't been in a shop this week since they opened them. I haven't had a chance, but um, but I, I think they are. They could have done that earlier. They could have taken some of the more vulnerable people out and so on too. But we are we are where we are with it, and I just don't. And I don't think there'll be a second spike. I think that um, 
we've done enough now and we're sensible enough to know how to behave that we, that won't that won't happen it's interesting i hope that i hope that you're right it's interesting i read in the paper this morning that the outbreak in beijing they're blaming european salmon so the disease to europe and now europe's um, exported it back to china um and um, anyway so they're, they're, they're blaming european salmon for the second outbreak Oh, I know. It's, ridic it's ridiculous. Some of that sort of stuff. Some of the stuff you listen to is, is ridiculous. To me, to, to me, Adam, that sounds a bit fishy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this evening, I've got to try and coax my 84-year-old dad to go out. He won't go out still. Oh, bless. Yeah, he wasn't shielded. He's fine, but he just, he just won't go out now. He's lost the habit of going out. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was, uh, I hope that um, you've, you've either gained the confidence to go out and yeah. it's important to, to get fresh air and to... For his own mental health and well-being and his own confidence. Oh, I agree, agree with you. I mean, since we only live a mile away from a, from a massive beach where you can walk on the beach and you can be half a mile from anybody, particularly when the, during the fall lockdown, um, there was nobody within half a mile of you. It was, it was perfect. Um, slightly changed during the um, hot period around Easter and, and the other bank holidays, but it's packed, absolutely packed. Yeah, well, with a bit of luck, the weather, the wet, well, the good weather looks like it's coming back now. So, you know, maybe once he sees the nice weather, he'll want to get out, especially if he's spending time with you and the family. Well, that's the idea. That's the idea, yeah. You know, and the, beach, the beach is around the corner. Uh, look, Adam, it's been absolutely lovely, as always, talking to you. You know, we're, obviously, we're, we're friends, other than just, um, you know, colleagues in yeah. the same industry. We've known each other a long time. And, um, you know, it's definitely challenging times, but it's definitely exciting times as, uh, as well right now. Exactly, exactly. And I, and I think, you know, I'm not a pessimist far from it. You know, I'm, I'm absolutely very optimistic about the future. I think by doing things right, doing things differently, um, we can, we're all going to, you know, we're all going to grow and thrive in the coming months and coming years. So I'm not pessimistic about it at all. I think we just, we, for me, I feel as though we're getting over that hump and we've all got to have a positive outlook. No, I agree 100%. Adam, it's been lovely talking to you. Um, and thank you for being part of the Roma, Roma pod. Very much appreciated. No, thank you. It's been a pleasure. All the best. Bye for now. Thanks. Bye.